Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just asked which one thinks you're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferentz? Ask scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes it's Spanish. Black Heart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Black Heart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Black Heart Gold Podcast, episode 95. I've been here on a uh, a warm November Thursday night. Iowa basketball on the television, but we're going to focus back on the sport that nobody wants to talk about right now. Uh, Iowa football. Joined tonight by Zach Travis, the uh, editor and proprietor of Mason Brew. Um, Zach joins, now joins a long list of people from Mason Brew who have done podcasts with me. Um, Zach, good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be here. You guys have uh, one of my favorite podcasts on SBN, so I've been looking forward to getting this call for a while. Well, clearly you've only listened to the theme song. Because uh, the, the theme it... songs are my favorite. I also <laughs> like the 15-minute uh, the um, fake radio show you guys did that one time, which yes. had me some stitches. That was a, that was a good one. The best part of that is that um, uh, that was with our good friends at KTJJ, who... Uh, broke a story this week about an academic advisor that got relayed to, to Kirk Ferentz during his press conference, which made Ferentz drop an F-bomb. Um, oh, really? So once, I, again, once again, KCJJ wins. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm out of Kirk Ferentz. That's, uh, that's probably like the second time he's used that word. That takes some serious work. Yeah. Usually it's Dagnabbit or Fudge or... Uh, Execution, um, but uh, yeah, an actual real life f bomb. It's been that kind of year. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he but, wasn't talking about the offense when he said it. God, no kidding, right? You guys um, are having a rough time. We have had. It's been a season of unimaginable pain, and I, I just take solace in the fact that you guys went through one of these as well, not that long ago. And I figure if Michigan can do it, anybody can. Yeah, we. We made it through, but barely. I'm surprised we didn't rip each other apart towards the end there. But you know, it was getting pretty close. Yeah, two years of Greg Robinson. I think if we'd had three, the whole fan base would have just lit itself on fire. It was kind of a Lord of the Flies sort of thing going on yeah. there for for a couple of years. Um, let's talk about Michigan. Year two of Brady Hoke. Um, Hoke Springs Eternal. Uh Offense is a little kind of iffy right now, but the defense looks great. Um, oddly enough, we we throw for more yards than you. Who knew? But <laughs> that's mostly because you've got quarterbacks who can run, and we're grossly incompetent. Um, obviously, the big issue at, at Michigan right now, Denard, injured, not injured. Will he play this weekend, and, and if – if not, what do we see from Devin Gardner that we don't usually see from Denard Robinson? Gardner's 
surprisingly a lot more of a downfield passer. Um, I, to be totally honest, I really didn't see this coming. The line on Gardner, his whole career has been really physically talented, but just doesn't get it. Um, he's looked bad in spring games. He's looked bad in spot duty the last couple of years. And when the Nebraska game came and they went with Russell Bellamy, that whole second half, God, was that a bad second half. It seemed like the book was pretty much written on Gardner. And it was like, it's, that's it. They're, if they left Bellamy out that long, it seemed like there was no chance for Gardner. But to his credit, he stepped up, had a week of practice, walked back into quarterback, and honestly, he's looked really good. I mean, granted, you can do that against Northwestern and Minnesota pretty easily with their secondaries, but, I mean, he's been throwing the ball at the right spots. He's been handling pressure. Surprisingly, scrambles much more and better than Bernard ever did, which is just mind-boggling to really think about. But he's acclimated to the offense pretty well, and I think the crazy thing is that this makes it a little easier on Al Borges, who you can tell just he looks at Bernard and just he doesn't know what to do with him. And that seems to have been the case now for, for two years. Uh, Borges is kind of a more drop-back, pro-style kind of guy, and Denard most certainly does not fit that bill. Um, is Gardner a more accurate passer? Does he have a better arm than, than you see from Robinson? I think it's a little early to really say too much on that. Um, because Denard, when you give him time and you give him a chance, he can throw the ball downfield pretty accurate. There's always going to be one or two throws a game where you just cringe because it's really terrible. But at the same time, Gardner's had a couple of those the last couple of weeks. Both his interceptions were the kind where you just you immediately know they're a bad idea and just staring guys down. But to his credit, the rest of the time he's throwing the ball well, he's hitting his spots, and he's, he seems to want to go deep a lot more than uh, Robinson ever did. Uh, he's kind of got a little of that. Rex Grossman unleashed the dragon, uh, like Chucky <laughs> in him, which is nice. Sex cannon? And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good because I think it makes up for the fact that the rushing offense really can't pick up too much on its own. So you need those big plays when you can't kind of churn out drives. That was always the way that the offense worked with Robinson is you could pick up five, six, eight yards of carry most of the time. Because um, he just he moves the ball so well on the ground, but we just we haven't had a running game at all this year, which has been pretty disappointing. And like you mentioned before, that the offense has looked so-so and the defense has really looked good, and that's the total opposite of what anyone thought coming into this year. Um, the idea was that the offense was bringing back most of the offensive line and had the guard back. This Toussaint was in year two. It was supposed to be this really breakout season, and they were supposed to be really good, while the defense, the defensive line was just decimated by losses from last year. Nobody could imagine replacing Mike Martin, Ryan Van Bergen, and even Will Heineter, who, I mean, most people didn't even think would step up, but he did really well last year. And honestly, the defense has been the reason Michigan has won most of its games. Um, defense is just you can't say enough about Greg Madison. The man is just, he's a god. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe 
the way that he coaches. I mean, the turnaround in just the way the players play and the way they look on the field, it's like they understand where they're supposed to be, which is totally different than those Greg Robinson years. Everybody just looks lost. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a good feeling. It's a really good feeling. But then the offense has also kind of taken that step back. It looks a yep. little lost, so you wonder if well, everything's to the point where it's perfect and everything's working, but I guess well, let's sure. Let's talk a little bit about Fitz Toussaint, because to look at the guy, and he seems like he cer- certainly has the talent to make it work. Why is it that the the running game just doesn't seem to get going the second year in a row now that that the, the kind of straight-ahead running game that Borges would like to run just doesn't seem to get any traction? Uh, it's, I mean, as always, it's a kind of a combination of a lot of things. And if you follow MGO blog, and I know you guys check them out, um, and pretty much everybody does if they're going for fishing stuff, Ryan's done some pretty good work looking at this. And it really comes down to a lot of it is on the interior offensive line, which is, really disappointed this year. They're not getting much push. Um, they don't do a good job pulling. Uh, it's It's been rough on the inside. The tackles have been good, but unfortunately you don't use tackles as much in the run game, and you can't depend on a guy like Taylor Lawan to really carry your run game when he's your left tackle. Um, there's only so much you can do with him. And uh, Part of it is also Toussaint just he hasn't really created the yards that he did last year. One of the big revelations from him was, yeah, there were holes there last year, but he was the kind of guy who he'd get hit, he'd get kind of grabbed by somebody, he'd still churn out five, six extra yards. wasn't going down very easy. This year he doesn't look very decisive. He wants to bounce things out. He's taking the wrong cuts, not letting holes develop. And other than that, he's not really uh, creating many yards out of, outside of it either, so. It's been disappointing, and I think part of it goes back to the whole thing I said earlier about Borg just not understanding how to use Denard to kind of make everybody else's job easier, using some of the more spread elements of uh, the offense that Denard really fits well into. I think there's a little bit more he could have done, but at the same time, with the way the interior offensive line is played, hit or miss whether most plays that are well called are going to pick up much. So right. it's been a bad year running the ball. Is it, a, is it a matter of inexperience in the interior line, or is it is it a lack of talent? You would think so, but I think all three of them are, uh, are retro seniors. So well, there on you the go. right side, they're all going to be gone <laughs> next year, but on the downside... You're losing three redshirt seniors who were still starters, despite the fact that they really want to get much push. So Michigan's had That's a good offensive line haul in the last year. Um, they got a couple guys on the bench who have some talent but are still a little bit young. I think it's going to be probably probably two or three years before this offensive line really looks like what Polk and Ford just want it to look like. Um, and at that point, we kind of hope that it's going uh, to really take off, but it could get a little ugly running the ball next year as things get really young, especially if Milan ends up going to the draft, which at this point you can't blame the guy since he's projecting so high. Yeah. 
Um, you guys have, it sounds like you guys have what we call the James Vandenberg problem. If, if your fifth year seniors are that, are that bad and they're the only ones who are getting any playing time, just how bad are the guys behind them? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a bit of an issue. Um, you mentioned, you know, Matson's work on the defense, which even in year one was a, a great turnaround, but this year, I mean, they've become kind of a dominant, uh, a dominant unit in, in, uh, in college football. I mean, they're, they're top five in the country in passing defense, which certainly won't be threatened this week. Um, and, and still only, you know, given up about 150 yards on the, the ground. Um, What's been the secret for Matson? Why is it that that uh, um, the, essentially the same players that were there, you know, for the Gerg years, have suddenly turned into such world beaters? I think it starts with the work he's done up front. Uh, like I said, the defensive line coming into this year was a big question mark, and you had guys on there like Will Campbell, who every year since he's been there has been this is going to be Will Campbell's breakout year, and it never happens, and he always languishes on the bench. And this year, it kind of happened, and he put it together, and he's played well. Um, another guy, Quentin Washington, who actually started out on the offensive line for the first couple of years, moved over in kind of Rich Rod's final position switch when they actually moved Campbell over to guard for a little while before Hope got in and moved him back to defense. I mean, both of them on the interior have been good. Um, they're not the kind of guys like Mike Martin go out there and make all these ridiculous plays and blow everything up, but they're good enough to just keep blocks, keep the linebackers clean, and like mess up cutback lanes, which is really what you need when you've got pretty good linebacking core. And that's where Michigan has, I think, done the most damage is just having – Really good linebackers, really fundamentally sound guys. Kenny Demons plays really well. He's smart, good in pass coverage. Um, he gets he got a lot of flack for the season. Everyone's like, well, he's not David Harris. You guys are. I mean, he's still been really good in the center. Um, as you saw last week um, against Northwestern, he was the one came up with the two plays in overtime on third and fourth down. He made Good reads in the run game. Got two good stuffs. Um, and then other than that, Jake Ryan's emergence as a redshirt sophomore has been really, you kind of thought going into the year that this was the year he was going to start to flash some potential, but he's been arguably all-conference first team this year. I mean, he's just all over the field. He's the kind of guy who can rush the passer, and then you put him out on the slot. He's blowing up screen passes. I mean, he pretty much shut down Purdue's lateral passing game out to the screens. He's making really good plays, taking on blocks. And he's the kind of guy who he'll get blocked and he'll get knocked down in some awkward way and you still twist around and come up with a shoestring tackle and you just you shake your head at it, but it works. And uh, he's been really good. And then Desmond Morgan on the weak side as well has struggled at times. He, Definitely saw the last week against Northwestern, but he's a good kind of classic Big Ten linebacker, kind of guy who just likes to run between the tackles and take on blocks to hit. So the defense yeah. played; they played really well. Um, really surprised the 
kind of see them get to that level. And I was actually, uh, I almost was about to write an article this week about how this was the best defense in the Big Ten, and then they had to go and give up something like 450 yards to Northwestern and <laughs> threw me out of that, uh, that storyline. You can find a, an article on our page where we were the leaders of the Legends Division at one point, too. So it <laughs> it happens. Things fall apart. Um, yeah, I think I read that one. Yeah, it, it didn't last very long. Penn State kind of put an end to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and then everybody else did after that. But, um, obviously, Michigan's schedule, we've been a little bit higher on Michigan than than most people have been, mostly because their losses are, are good losses. I mean, they lost to Notre Dame, Alabama, and Nebraska. Um, what did the – I mean, everybody watched the Alabama game. That was an anomaly, really. I mean, I think Michigan just – it was a, a first game sort of thing combined with the fact that Alabama is Alabama. Um, but what did Notre Dame and Nebraska do to shut down the Michigan offense so effectively? Because either team scored a ton of points because um, the Michigan defense is just that good. But um, what did they do to take Michigan's offense out of whack? Um, well, it helped when uh, – Other than injured Denard Robinson. I mean, yeah. Obviously, that was Nebraska's secret Notre Dame pulling off uh, five straight interceptions. That's uh, usually a pretty good game plan. Uh, yeah, that was that was just weird. Uh, I mean, to get that many in a row, it's almost surreal to look back on it and imagine that that actually happened like that. And it kind of fueled the fire for all the Denard critics out there. But it's a little fluky to have that happen. I mean, sure he made a few bad throws there, but then there was some some luck. But that kind of, I mean, that really put the game almost out of reach. I mean, because the offense just went into a little bit of a shell and started running the ball almost completely. And I mean, it was just the same offensive struggle that had been all year. The lack of consistency, the passing game, hit or miss. Um, and then once it got to the Nebraska game, Denard going out certainly didn't help. Not having a backup plan and not having at this point, you can look back and say not having Gardner ready huge mistake in fourth hindsight 2020, and you don't expect Denard to get injured. I mean, he's had a surprisingly a really good track record staying healthy. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan's offense is just only so good, or at least it was only so good against better defenses, and just can't really that much because the running game is so hit or miss, especially with Bernard being knocked up, knocked out around and yeah. I mean it's kind of fluky games a little bit, but at the same time you gotta give both teams both other defensive credit for doing what they did and making Michigan work for what little it got. What do you see uh happening this week? What's your prediction for uh for Saturday, other than complete agony for my Iowa Hawkeyes? Um, I, honestly, like, this game, it worries me a little bit. I mean, it doesn't worry me too much because Iowa's been this bad, and I think the, I think Greg Davis' offense against Michigan's defense, almost like Washington stuff, so it's going to be pretty rough, but, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I was one of those teams that I last year I went into that game confident, and it just Michigan ugly it up the whole time. 
And the weird thing is, Michigan fans talk a lot about these streaks against these rivals and how beating these teams is important. I think I'm just thinking Iowa's got about as long a streak as Michigan State had against Michigan, I think. And nobody really talks about that, and that just kind of goes to show how well Iowa has done just beating Michigan and finding ways to win. Um, so the game, I it's one of those things, like same thing with Michigan State. I wasn't comfortable until the game was won. Um, I, I've seen too many Iowa teams just pull out those games like that. Um, last year I thought Michigan was going to win fairly comfortably, and then ugh, the game was just rough. But well, I you know, we got we got a little bit of help on the way on that one. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, I um, don't think Michigan's defense should should make pretty short work of Iowa's three yard and out passing game. Um, I, because uh, frankly, the only place that Michigan's defense is really uh, vulnerable is over the top attacking the corners on the outside. And I don't, don't do that. Great Davis, even though that part of the field exists. No, he he only sees 15 yards ahead of himself. He's got the world's worst case of nearsightedness. Um, I'm with you though. I think I I do think that this is one where, I mean, I I don't I don't foresee Iowa winning it by any means, but I think it's one that could be closer than everybody thinks, just because I think Michigan's going to have a tendency to go in the shell a little bit, knowing Iowa's offense is going to do a whole lot, and and that means you know keep Gardner on a relatively tight leash and, and uh, avoid any crippling turnovers. It's the only way Iowa stays in the game. Yeah. And and, 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 and with that, I don't think – I think Iowa's um, defense can kind of hang. Um, I don't see Toussaint being an issue, and if they can't really run the ball, um, Iowa's pass defense hasn't been that bad. And, and so I could definitely see the game staying low scoring and staying relatively close to the end, but I, I just don't see where Iowa scores points. Um, <laughs> with um, yeah, you know, there's some talk that Weissman might be back for Iowa, but he doesn't have any any line to block for him. Uh, it's okay. not going to matter a whole lot. So, um, in any case, I wish you the absolute worst of luck this week. Same to uh, you. I hope all your your guys get pneumonia on like Friday, and they're perfectly healed by Sunday. But in the meantime, they can't play, and we win by forfeit. That might be our only hope. At least there's some hope. Yeah. Uh, Zach Travis, ladies and gentlemen, from Mason Brew. Be sure to uh, to go over and, and read them. Thanks again, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me on.